Welcome to Broadway's Backbone with Brad Bradley, a podcast dedicated to the men and women of the ensemble, the chorus of dancers, singers, and actors that are the foundation of every Broadway show, actually, of every musical. These often unsung gypsies are the hardest working people on the boards and are, well, Broadway's Backbone. This is episode two, and our special guest is Patrick Wetzel. Hi, Yay, Patrick. Hi. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So I will go through uh, your credits, and then we'll get off rolling. Okay. Um, you started with the, the 42nd Street Tour, Joseph Tour, then on Broadway, Ain't Broadway Grand, Annie Get Your Gun, Thou Shalt Not, The Producers, Drowsy Chaperone, Spamalot, All About Me, and then you did Out of Town, did Minsky's, and you also uh, did the Billy Elliot tour. Well, you're just a walking encyclopedia. Well, yes, I am. I just, that's IMDb, dude. All right up in here. Huh? <laughs> oh, I just remembered it all. So, uh, where are you from, and where did you get started? Uh, well, I, originally I'm from Maryland, Southern Maryland. Um, you know, farm town. Grew up around a lot of farms. Worked on a lot of farms. And... Um, you know, not not the smallest, you know, country town, but um, pretty small. And um, I started dancing when I was seven or so, and uh, we moved across the street from a dance teacher. And um, my mom asked me and my sister if we wanted to take dance lessons, and we we were like, "Yeah, we want to do that. What is it?" <laughs> <You know? laughs> so um, we uh, we started, and it was great. I don't know. It was a kind of an immediate. Um, interest. We both, you know, uh, took to it a lot. And then I started singing as a teenager. I, as I started doing musicals in school and it just sort of naturally progressed into other types of performance. And um, I was 18. I, I started working at a dinner theater in the D.C. area. And then I auditioned for a road company and um, I went on the road and I moved to New York and I got a Broadway show and um, it was all very exciting. Oh, it sounds like it. It's yeah, yeah, it was great. I was meant to do it. I saw, I remember I was, I saw Bob Fosse's dancing uh, as a, like a maybe nine or 10 year old, um, the tour came through and um, I, I remember watching the show and everything just clicked into place. I remember seeing it. And all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, that's that's what I want. That's it. That's that's what I want to do. I want to be on stage, and I want to tell stories, and through song. And you know, I that was the first time that, that clicked for me, and that all made sense. You know, up to that point, I didn't, I don't, I wasn't sure what all of it was. And then when I saw dancing, Bob Fosse's dancing, I was like, "Oh, that's it. That's what I want to do." What's amazing is that I saw that same tour, and that was the show that made me decide that's what I want to do too. Oh, and I didn't even know that about you. The same. I I have the playbill or the the souvenir program, the Fox Theater in San yeah, Diego. Yeah, me too. Oh I, yeah, I have the me too. I have, oh, like, I think I have um like signatures on it from you know performers oh, that were in it. That's amazing. Yeah. So were you like, was it easy being a boy dancing? I mean, were you teased a lot because you were in rural Maryland? Um, not really. I mean, I, I wasn't an an incredibly effeminate you know, boy, I don't think, I mean, I don't think I was, maybe I was, I don't know. So I wasn't teased all that much, but, um, I, I, you know, one thing I, the first time I came to New York though, I went, I was coming to a dance competition 
And um, I, my family calls me Pat, and everybody and growing up, everyone called me Pat. I signed my name, Pat. And um, I went to a dance competition here in New York. It was my first time in the city, and the announcer, um, he looked at the card and he went, "Okay, next up is Pat Wetzel." And he looked at the audience and they said, and here she is. And I walked out on stage just like with my head down. I'm like, I'm a boy. Um, you know, and I got in place for my, you know, got my pose and nodded to the conductor. Um, and the music started. But anyway, it was Tears of a Clown, by the way, the song. Oh, Tears of a Clown. Very nice. Yeah. So how did you get your equity card? What was like the first thing? I got my equity card at Goodspeed Opera House at doing Animal Crackers. Um, that Tony, um, uh, Stevens. Tony Stevens choreograph. Thank you. Um, and it was a blast. It was a really funny show. And, um, I got my, uh, the call from the casting office saying, you have to do this job. And I, I felt like I didn't want to tell them that I was non-equity because I was when I got off of the job and I said, I, I hate to tell you this, but you know, I don't have my, my card. And he, there was a long pause, and I was like, oh my god, they're not, they're going to take the offer away. And he said, well, you'll have to get your card then. Oh. I said, oh, great. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um, so yeah, doing Animal Crackers at Good Speed. And then you also did, did you do Joseph or 42nd Street tour first? I did jo- uh, the 42nd Street first. Um, the, the Broadway company, the original Broadway company, had somewhat recently closed. I think it closed in 89 and in 1990, uh, this international tour went out. So a lot of the Broadway company was interested in doing it and, and did. So I got to work with a lot of those people, oh, wow. which was really exciting for me. And, um, you know, I didn't even realize what a big job it was at the time. Um, but uh, I was in Europe in my early 20s. And um, it, was, it was a fantastic experience. And to be able to do that particular show growing up being a tap dancer you know that's like at the time in the 80s you know that was the show to do for a tap dancer um so that was really exciting for me and then you also did joseph yeah i did uh i did that for a couple of years and then i went and did uh, the joseph tour for a long time i i did that for almost four years straight in the 90s um the that was the one with donny osmond there were a couple of tours out oh right um this was the live event tour with donny osmond and it just, um, the funny thing about that tour was, I think they were only allowed to play a certain number of cities for some reason. So we played like the same six cities over and over and over again. We would go to, well, first of all, the show was a huge hit in Chicago that we kept getting extended over and over and over again. So what was supposed to be just a few months of a run in Chicago ended up being, um, we ended up being there for like a year and a half. And so we finally left because the producer um, was, he was saying, we got to go to these other cities. I keep putting these other cities off. And um, so we went to um, uh, Detroit and um, I forget, a few other places, Toronto. We were only a handful of places that we were able to go, Minneapolis. And so we would go to those same few cities over and over and over again. We would just tour those same cities and come back. We came back to Chicago like three times and we'd be there for a few months at a time and um, it was a, it was a great experience, and I I loved the people that I worked with. A lot of us stayed for a long time, like I did, and um, it was it was a really cool experience. I loved it. 
So what led to Ain't Broadway Grand, your Broadway debut? I'm looking at the little sign right now oh. in your office. Oh my gosh, my mom cross-stitched that for me. Um, I I did, I, let's see, what was I doing? Oh, I was working at Goodspeed. I had just gotten my equity card with Animal Crackers. And I went home, I went home for Christmas and my grandmother said, if, if you ever get in a Broadway show, I'm going to come up to New York and see you. And... Within weeks, I had auditioned for Ain't Broadway Grand and got it. it we, we auditioned on the Broad, Broadhurst stage. Um, I got it. It was all, it all happened within like a week and a half. Oh, wow. The whole process. From, it was a, a big chorus call. I got it from a chorus call audition. And um, Randy Skinner choreographed it. And it was, it was really exciting. And I remember like, getting the phone call saying, get, getting the offer. And I jumped up and down on my couch, like, like, but not making any noise while I was on the phone because I didn't want them to think that I was like a weirdo, but I was like, Oh, that sounds great. Well, thank you. I accept the offer. Well, meanwhile, I'm like jumping up and down, you know, and trying to act normal. <laughs> oh yeah. So ain't Broadway grand. It was, it was my Broadway debut and, um, it was a huge flop, um, ran three weeks. Um, it was supposed to run it was only supposed to run two weeks, but the company manager or someone forgot to post the notice or didn't post the notice, so we ended up running an extra week. So, um, you know, it was like six weeks total with previews, but yeah, that wasn't... I didn't care. I cried on opening night. Oh. I was like, I'm on Broadway, and I was sobbing. <laughs> you know, it was it was the time of my life. I was never happier. Oh, absolutely. You only make your Broadway debut once. Absolutely. You know, so it's it, I, I, I remembered that, and I, I took in that moment, because I knew it was special. Yes, I mean, and a lot of people make their Broadway debuts and flops, and that doesn't make it any less special. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So your next Broadway show was Annie Get Your Gun, which is where we met. Yes, starring Brad Bradley. Oh, yes, uh, as Annie Oakley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is one question that we've never talked about. Um, we both understudied Charlie Davenport, and um, I remember the first time going on and singing No Business Like Show Business to Bernadette was unbelievable. Oh. And I So tell me about that experience, because I've, I've never got to share that with someone. I, it was shocking, because I don't think I put it together that I was about to do that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's such an iconic song, right? Yes. Oh God, it was thrilling. I mean, I remember when I got that job and they said I was going to be working with Bernadette Peters and I was, I just thought, oh God, I'm living my dream. It's happening. Everything's happening. And, um, yeah, I, oh, just, I cried so many times throughout that whole process and that moment and singing to Bernadette and, you know, singing the song, singing the big song. It's, um... I never, you know, I, I, I never thought my life would ever be like that. And it just kept, you know, I had to keep telling myself that I'm living my dream at that time. Um, that was a really special show and group of people, especially the men's dressing room. I had the time of my life, probably one of the best dressing room experiences of my whole Broadway career was during that show. So. Oh, I, I completely agree. Yeah. So how was it, I mean, the show won Best Actress and it won uh, Best Revival, but performing on the Tonys, that was, how was that experience for you? Oh my gosh, it was thrilling, you know, they, we, I remember we got on the bus and like, <laughs> you know, I mean, 
It was the Tony Award. It was, it was the rehearsal that I remember. I was with my friend Allison, was there at the rehearsal for some reason. Um, a friend of mine was with me when we were um, rehearsing the show, rehearsing the performance that afternoon. And I was watching another show perform. Peter Pan was also um, performing that year. And Kathy Rigby, was, they were, she was doing uh, singing I'm Flying. And she got up, um, uh, she was like, you just think lovely thoughts. And, you know, up, up, you, away, or you go, or whatever she says. And I just, like, burst into tears because I was like, oh, my God, this is actually <laughs> happening. Like, I'm thinking the happiest thoughts. I can't believe I'm not flying right this second. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, I, that's the moment that I remember about the, the, first, the first Tony Awards. And then, of course, all of us, like, standing there waiting to hear who won, you know, that... That was thrilling, of course. And then when they call your name, you're like, oh, my God, it's us. And I think I feel like we were shooed out of there. Like we had to get back on the bus and yeah. go back to the theater and all of that. But, um, oh, it was a it was a great time. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And then uh, I'm just now recalling you left and get your gun to go back on the road with Cinderella. And yes. Eartha Kitt. I, oh, my gosh. Eartha Kitt. Yeah, she was she was something. Um, I did. a Yeah, I did a tour of Cinderella. With uh, Eartha Kitt and and Debbie Gibson and Jamie Lynn Sigler, I, uh, they both played Cinderella at different points in the tour. But um, yeah, Eartha Kitt was um, she was a force. I mean, a force. Um, and I remember we did a. She was playing the the fairy godmother, which probably isn't you know a perfect part for her, but, um, you know, with that sort of like classic musical theater singing kinds of songs. But, um, but I remember seeing her do something. We, we did a cabaret or we did a benefit or something while we were on the road. And she got up and sang a couple of songs, just, you know, stuff that she did like in her club acts. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's who she is. Like, mm. there she is. She's right in the pocket. You know, and it was that was exciting to see her do her thing on the road. Um, but uh, she was a force to force to be reckoned with. That's for sure. She was a very funny, funny woman. Oh wow! Yeah. You told me a story about you were hired to play a cat, or was you a mouse? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was. I was. I played Charles the cat, and the the director Gabe Barry said. Uh, he called me on the phone and he said, I want you to play the part of this cat. You're going to be manipulating a puppet around. But he said, we're not going to hide you. We're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to, you're very much going to be playing the part, but you'll also be manipulating this puppet around. And um, so I was like, okay, this sounds really cool. And, um, and it really was. I mean, we all learned how to like puppeteer and we worked with these really, um, really great people that taught us how to do all of that kind of stuff. And, um, it was really neat to learn that skill, but I mean, ultimately, we were puppets. <laughs> we were puppeteers, <laughs> and it was fun. And I was working with my best friend Andre Ward. He was in the show, so it was it was a fun, fun time on the road. Right. Can you sit, tell the the couch story? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I love this story. Though. Well, one of the, okay, I'll tell you the the big thing about like Gabe offering me the show was he was. He was like, so we're not going to try to hide you. You're very much going to be playing this part. And so I was like, okay. So we're in rehearsals. And he's like, Patrick, can you 
can you have Charles the cat jump up on the back of the sofa and like in a crouching position? So I was like, okay. So I had the cat like sitting on the back of the sofa and I, and like the cat had the cat, the cat crouched and I was crouched, you know, as cause I was the cat. And then, um, when he was like, perfect, he's like, if you could now just get like a tiny bit, like crouch lower, just like a little bit lower. I was like, okay. And I was like my best crouching cat <laughs> position. I was like, I am living as a cat. And then like, Ultimately, he kept saying lower and lower. And, like, ultimately, I realized my hands were up with the... But my whole body was crouched behind the couch. And he was like, perfect! And I was like, oh, brother. Uh, so, after that was uh, Thou Shalt Not. Um, yes. yes. which we uh, we got to do together. And uh, that show took place, sadly, during 9-11. And uh, ended up being a big flop. So... How, what is the experience of, like, now this is, a, 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 of being in a flop? Especially a flop. I remember, from my experience, people would come, I would, they would hug me after the show and whisper in my ear, this is terrible. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it was, I was like, wow. So, oh. I mean, it breaks your heart to be yeah. in a flop. I just remember walking out the door when Adrian Heard was there and walking out the stage door and she was smiling really big and her eyebrows were really high and she was like, hi! <laughs> After, like, as I was walking out the stage door and I was like, I know, I know. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, the strange thing about that particular show is that 9-11 happened in the middle of the whole process so I feel like in a weird way it sort of bonded us all. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, it wasn't it wasn't fun doing a show that most of the community didn't care for. Yeah. Um, but I was I was proud to work for you know I'd never done a show for Lincoln Center and that was exciting and um, it was doing an original show with Susan Stroman which I desperately wanted to do and I was proud of that and um, there were lots of of things in the show for me to feel proud you know proud about and. Um, I lost 27 pounds when I was in that show. Wow, I didn't realize it was that much. <laughs> it was. It was. Me and Davis Kirby hit the gym and and made it come off. It was also just dancing all, you know, so yeah. hard in a Susan Stroman show. But um, There was a rape ballet. There was a rape ballet. <laughs> yes. And there, oh. And the gurney ballet. The gurney. It was like, there, there was this number where the gurney, we like, one the one character was looking for a the body of the person that he had murdered, so he would go to the morgue on a daily basis. So there was this whole ballet where the gurneys would get thrown across the stage, and there would be bodies on them sometimes. And it was just, oh god, it was a nightmare. And um, but that only that I think that lasted just one performance. I think so. The gurney ballet. Oh, I wonder if somebody's got it on tape. Oh, I, I hope, hope so. so. Uh, so, but that started a good relationship with Strowman. From there, uh, you started your touring of producers. Yeah, then I toured with the producers. Uh, and that was the first national. That was the first national, and um, that was a great experience. We, we, we were in L.A. for a year, and, um, and I, I loved it. It was, it was awesome. It was a hot show, a funny show, um, lots of funny parts in it, and um, I got to do a lot, and uh, I got to be funny and that was fun for me and um i understudied uh, a really fun part and i got to go on and and it was terribly exciting it was an exciting time in my life which is fantastic you've made a good career as being an understudy 
my whole career. I mean, that's how I made my bread and butter was being yeah. an understudy. And I was once I gave into it, I, I, I fought it at first. And then once I realized that I could market myself as being a really solid understudy, there always has to be an understudy. So I was like, I can I can make a good living doing this. So um, once I once I sort of gave into that, then I I was the king of being understudies. I understudied in almost every show I did, at least one part. You yeah. Know? Um, it was always kind of like for some reason I was always understudying the older character parts. Um, but, uh, and then, you know, every now and again, you'd get, you know, you'd get bumped up as the understudy. Um, and that was always exciting. Um, but going on the first time as an understudy is a frightening experience. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's always frightening. But I mean, you're always the hero the first time because everyone understands what a huge feat it is to get out there and do it for the first time. So everyone's in your corner and I love that about Broadway it's such a supportive community in that way because everyone gets it they know everyone knows how difficult it is and they support each other and I don't know another community that does it as much mm-hmm. um, but anyway that's a, that's a neat thing I mean you have an amazing sense of humor and you say you get it from your mom and I loved your mom I, I loved her she was amazing but she has a her her quote about being an understudy that she said I still say it to this day. Oh yeah, she's said one of the funniest things that I, I've ever heard. Um, I I told her that I was going on. This was during Annie Get Your Gun, I think, and I said, "Mom, I I get to I'm going on. I'm in the big dressing room and I'm going on and um, it's really exciting and I'm and I'm just on for the matinee and then I'm, you know I go back to my regular track tonight." And she went, oh, well, back to the fireplace, Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Every time someone comes in after going back on with their makeup kit in the dressing room, I say, back yeah. to the fireplace, Cinderella. That's right. Just a little cinder girl. Yeah. So um, then you came back to Broadway with producers as well. I did. I Yeah, I came into Broadway. Uh, I came in as a swing on Broadway, and I had never been a swing before, and I replaced, uh, temporarily replaced Stacy Todd Holt. And it was one of the most frightening experiences of my life because I just, you know, swinging, you have to have, you have to have the right mindset for swinging. And I think every, every, every gypsy in New York should be forced to be a swing for at least a month or two so that they understand how difficult a job it is because I know a lot of actors, and I'm sure you do too, who have who aren't always so kind to swings, and you gotta, you know, you have to support the swings, and um, because it's a very difficult job, and I learned firsthand by you know, doing the producers uh, on Broadway. I was a swing there, and it was incredibly rewarding in a different way, but um, but also the most challenging job I've ever had. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. And shortly after this, uh, I remember you and I were having lunch, and I remember where it was. It was down near Macy's, and we were walking up 34th Street, and you just turned to me and you said, you know what? I'm done. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm not performing anymore. I mean, what was going through your head? Because that's, um, that, I mean, that happens a lot in ebb and flow and stuff like that, but I remember that time in your life, and you're like, I just can't do this anymore. 
Well, I, you know, honestly, I had been thinking about it for a long time and I had started asking questions about it. Um, you know, kind of joking, like, oh, how do I get out of here? How do I get on the other side? How do I, you know, and I guess I was joking about it for many years. And then, I don't know, finally, I was doing a workshop of a, a show of Elf. And I asked Karen Moore, the stage manager, I was like, so if I was going to really try to do this, you know, how, how do I start this process? And um, ultimately, you know, it wasn't until, I don't know, years, a few years later after that, that I actually was really ready. Um, I'd had a bad injury. I did the Billy Elliot tour and I had a terrible injury on my foot. And I took that as a sign <laughs> that it was time. I was able to get back to the show and I even did another show regionally after that injury. But um, I knew that I was, I was done. And um, I called up Karen Moore um, the minute I got back from that regional job and I said, I want to, I want to be a stage manager and I want to, um, you know, be an associate position and I want to, I want to be on the other side of this and I, and I think I want to do it now. I'm ready to do it. So I took a year and a half and... Wait, we'll get, we'll get back to this. Oh, okay. Uh, because what was interesting is that after, shortly after you, we had that conversation, you booked... Drowsy Chaperone, which you've told me to this day, oh. that it was the best experience you've ever had. Oh, so yeah. I love that you were like throwing in the towel and then Drowsy was handed to you. Yeah, I'm constantly quitting. I'm quitting the business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I sort of joked about it for many years because it just, I, I, as, I got, as I got older, I got more and more anxious about auditioning and, um, and less, uh, and, and more comfortable um, you know, in an interview setting, let's say. But, um, yeah, The Drowsy Chaperone came along, um, directed and choreographed by Casey Nicola. Um, I wrote him a note. He was, he had choreographed Spamalot. I wrote him an, I auditioned for it and didn't get it. And I wrote him a note when Drowsy came around and I was like, I would love to work with you. Um, I would love to be seen for this show. And he called me and, um, I auditioned and I got it. And it was, it ended up being the best Broadway experience of my career, hands down. Um, every, I loved the show, I loved the people, I loved the crew, I loved the, the management, house management, I loved every, every department in that show from, you know, front of house to the, you know, back of the house. And it was just, um... I got to play a great part. Um, well, I could talk about you started in the ensemble, and then we're bumped up to George. Yeah, I well, it, there were me. It was me and Joey Sorge were the two men in the ensemble, and then there were. It was a very principal-heavy show. Um, I think there were eight eight male principals, and so he and I each covered four, and I covered uh, George, the best man, and. Eddie Corbich played the part and he left uh, to do another job and Casey uh, offered me the part and it was uh, my first uh, principal contract on Broadway and, you know, I'd been on as an understudy and other shows, but this was my first, you know, my first part. And I remember um, 
Seth Marquette, the company manager, when I first, my first paycheck, he wrote like a little note, like a congratulations Aww. note on my paycheck. And I remember when I opened it, I was like, that's so, like, that's, that's why that experience, that's what I mean about every person that was a part of that show. It was just a huge love fest and everybody loved each other and it was genuine and it was the best experience of my life. Well, rumor has it that after the first time you went on, that they, uh, they said, if you ever need another George, he's already in the building. Like, oh, my that God. That was the reputation that I heard. Wow, I've yes. never heard that. Oh, that's, you haven't? Well, that's impressive. Uh, but my favorite thing about Dreads Chaperone is that um, I got to see you go on in the man and chair. Oh, what a great part. And when you flew up on the, the airplane at the end, I was, like, crying. I mean, how often do you get to see someone take the final bow that you're close to and fly up but I mean that was unbelievable for you to do that how was that it was I was crapping in my pants (laughs) I'm not sure (laughs) what rating this podcast is Um, but uh, it was it was a great experience and incredibly fulfilling in every way emotionally and you know otherwise but uh, the show starts doing a monologue in a blackout the curtain goes up and the stage is black and there's a, and a monologue the, the man in chair the character the man in chair does a whole monologue in um, the dark and I remember hearing I could I thought I could hear my heart beating because I was beating because there was it was just so so silent I was like oh my god it's completely silent and black right now and I I'm about to talk, and I remember, like, just starting, and, like, oh, my God, I'm hearing my voice, and, like, this is me <laughs> talking, and, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, it was scary, but it, it's an incredibly, it's a great part. I mean, it's a great part, so, you know, I felt really lucky to be able to play it, you know, a few times, and um, I was really proud of it. Oh, we yeah. should be. I mean, you were you were amazing. I was so so happy. And then you did get to go into Spamalot after that. After Drowsy closed, you went into Spamalot. I did. Yeah, I went and did Spamalot for Casey uh, after that, and um, and that was a really cool experience. I replaced uh, I replaced Kevin Covert in Spamalot. He was leaving, and uh, I went over there, and I loved those guys. We had um, we had Sunday brunches up in the dressing room. And it was a funny group of people, and we laughed all the time. I met one of my closest friends, Matt Kroll, was on that, that job, and um, it, it still it remains you know close to my heart because of the men in that, in that show. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of shows do out-of-town tryouts, and then they come into Broadway, or they do out-of-town tryouts, and then they implode. Uh, you did a show called Minsky's. Oh, Minsky's. Oh, everybody wanted that to happen so badly. We were all like, we wanted it so bad, you know. It's one of those shows that like, we're like, this show has got like so much potential. And we went out of town and um, Casey had this great idea. I don't, well, actually, I don't know if it was Casey or Bob Martin, the writer. I'm not sure whose idea it was, but um, to, for the show, the idea was for the show, because it was set in um, uh, uh, burlesque. Uh, time period and it was sort of like when burlesque was on its way out and um, 
So the the idea was to try to make each scene kind of like a burlesque sketch, uh, you know, mm. a comedy sketch, and but yet still further the plot. So it was a huge challenge, um, and they did some really it was there were some really cool things in the show, and it just didn't we just couldn't get there. We went out of town to the Amundsen, and. We got so close, it seems like. We just got so close. And they still worked on the show after we closed out of town. They were still working on, you know, trying to make it better. And there were a couple of readings here and there of it. But um, it just never came in. And it was like the one that I was like, oh, that one, that mm, should have come in. Yeah. It should have come in. Um, but we just, you know, we never, the show never quite got there, unfortunately. But Aww. But it was, but I loved it. I loved doing it. But it seems like you've had a great relationship now with Casey, doing several things with him, and then you also did All About Me, which was uh... I did with Dame Edna. Yes, you oh did. Did you cover her? No. No. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, no, I did. Uh, I did All About Me, which starred uh, Dame Edna and Michael Feinstein, and there were three smaller parts in the show. Dame Edna had two bodyguards. And there was a stage manager uh, part character in in the in the show, so I covered um, and the two guys there were two male parts and the the female the stage manager character was a female, and I covered her too, so you know Casey was like oh you can just cover her you'll be fine <laughs> you know, and uh, so which was hilarious, and unfortunately that didn't end up you know running very long either but it was Dame Edna was really really funny oh I bet uh, Barry Humphreys he's like I, I think he's like a child that misbehaves in class but but he's really funny so you just can't help you can't help but laugh at you know this kid that's always like cutting up in class um, but it was a fun experience yeah I loved it oh that's great I know I wanted to I lo- I've seen other stuff she's done she's fantastic I ended up yeah I ended up working with Casey a lot like basically the last 10 years I pretty much owe to Casey even the one show that I I didn't that Casey wasn't associated with I got because he recommended me for it which was Billy Elliot so um I kind of owe him most of my career most the latter part of my career absolutely I owe to him really well a big part about Billy Elliot was and just dancing and performing is dealing with injuries. And, I mean, they're constant. You're always out and everything like that. But uh, the Billy Elliot injury was a, a pretty big deal. And you're playing Braith Rate, so you had to fall in splits. Oh, God. Yeah, I pulled both hamstrings. Oh, that was uh, that show I was injured so many times. I, uh, I pulled both hamstrings. I tore one hamstring. Um, and, but didn't miss a show. I, did never, I never ended up having to miss a show. Um, they adjusted, you know, some choreography, which was great. You know, I finally went in, I, you know, I pulled one hamstring and then tore the other one because I tried doing the splits on both sides and you know, ended up screwing up both of my hammies. And I just went to them and I was like, we can either change the choreography or I can see you in six weeks. And, you know, just because I was like, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know what else to do. Or, you know, I felt terrible about it. But, um, so they changed some stuff around and, um, I healed and I got better and um, got back to you know managing the show and um, and felt really proud of that. 
I did have a terrible injury later on that tour um, that was pretty debilitating. I, I ruptured a tendon in my foot. So that took me out of commission for about eight months. But, um, but I was able to get back even after that. And, um, you know, I, I was, I was proud of that. I was proud that I felt, you know, I could, I was strong enough still to like get back after bad injuries. And, you know, if you persevere, that was something I learned, um, you know, from my, my mother and my family that, you know, perseverance is everything. And I feel like, um, you know, I was proud of being able to get back to, you know, with hard work to get back to that show. Um, the injury and, and, and switching over, you know, to management after that injury. I mean, I, I was upset about the injury, but I think honestly it was harder for my family more than it mm. was for me. Cause I was kind of done with the business with performing. And, right. And you um, mentioned before that this was kind of the impetus for you to make the phone call to be like, I want to transition. It was really, I mean, I had already been thinking about it, but I had this terrible injury that like. It didn't, I, I don't want to say that it ended my career because I don't think it did. I was able to get back to the show and it was, it was more difficult. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was harder, um, to go back after the injury, but, um, but I was able to get back and I, it just, it just gave me the push to go ahead and make the decision and, um, make the smarter decision and take care of my body and don't do something that could could really hurt me permanently. Um, you know, I was in my 40s at that time, so, you know, my body wasn't... You know, after a certain time, you have to stop <laughs> go doing the splits. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on stage. What? I'm kidding. Phil, uh, <laughs> so how has it been uh, now that you're, you've made the full transition... Uh, <laughs> Now you're a woman. No, now, <laughs> no, now, now you're a stage My manager. My name is Patricia. Um, <laughs> thank uh, you for having me. Yes, um, I, I, yeah, I've been. It's it's all happening. I said to Aaron the other day, I, I was, um, looking. I had my head in the books for like a year. It seemed like you know I was learning a new skill and working in, in a new capacity for a year or a year and a half and. All of a sudden, I looked up and I was like, "Oh, it's happening! I'm actually doing it because I'm now I'm a stage manager for um, a new show this season called Something Rotten, which opened a month ago and less than a month ago. And it's I didn't even realize because I was just so studying so much to you know learn a new skill that all of a sudden I looked up and I was like, "Oh, I'm doing it! It's happening! I'm actually I'm a stage manager." My Broadway stage manager. Absolutely. And um, so, you know, I think if you're willing to work hard and um, I knew I need, I knew I wanted to work on Broadway in some capacity. If it wasn't performing, I knew I had to stay in some way. So um, I'm just choosing, you know, to, to work here in, in different and new ways. And I'm, I still love it equally as much. Oh, that's so great. I mean, I always ask you on personal questions, like, how's your ego? Do you miss it? Do you don't? And it just seems like you you have a good head on your shoulders um, and and that it's not... Because most actors are so full of of ego that they're like, oh, I, I can't be in the wings. But you're able to embrace that. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's a team effort. Yeah. You know, and every every piece of the puzzle is needed to make 
the big picture and I don't know all those things we're only as strong as our weakest link and all you know I mean it takes a it takes a village I'm just gonna stay keep saying like bumper <laughs> stickers um it's but I, I do think it's a it's a team effort and we're all needed everyone on stage off stage it's it takes a lot of people to make it happen um, and everybody's working really hard, yeah. you know, to make it happen every night. And, um, and I'm really proud of it. Yeah. And I'm proud of being on Broadway. I love that. And you have, uh, new lab workshops and coming up and you have, you've been assistant director and stuff like that. So it seems like, um, this, I mean, it's been good. And also your performing is what's led to all these other things. Yeah. I mean, I think in a way, you know, everything leading up to, to today is has just been preparing me you know for what I'm doing now and um, I draw on a lot of what I learned as a performer for making um, decisions now um, as a stage manager and as an associate director and I think 25 years of performing was hugely helpful and helps me answer a lot of questions that you know that need answering in these new capacities. Well, I think we're, uh, I'm out of questions. I mean, is there anything that I missed that you wanted to share or wanted to talk about or? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I love Broadway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if I were to pick, if you were to pick a song that you would, uh, from all your, uh, your shows and your experience that you would love to end the podcast with, uh, from your shows, what would it be? Oh gosh. Why'd you ask me that? I guess, um, I, just because it's sentimental to me, um, the show, probably as we stumble along from Drowsy, it was Beth Level. I mean, uh, there's no beating her. Oh, there's really not. I mean, that was, that was, I have the, I have the video of like the final, the closing performance of her singing that song. I just like took a little video from the side of the stage and I, I'm going to watch it tonight. Aww. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I adore you. Oh, you. I love you, Brad Bradley. Oh, thank you. As we stumble along on life's funny journey, as we stumble along into the blue, we look here and we look there, seeking answers anywhere. Never sure of where to turn or what to do Still we bumble our way Through life's crazy labyrinth Barely knowing left from right Nor right from wrong And the best that we can do is hope a bluebird sing his song as we stumble along it's a dismal little world in which we live it can bore you till you've nothing left to give seven overrated wonders seven underwhelming seas six excruciating continents antarctica oh please Still, you mustn't let it lick you. This planet 
oh so bland. Keep your eyeball on the highball in your hand. As we stumble along, cross life's crowded dance floors. As we push and we shove, we live and we learn. And when we finally leave the bar, and we see that morning star, we pull our bootstraps up and homeward turn. Then we stumble away. We stop.